In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. So I have six thoughts to offer from today's gospel passage, and I'll try to get us out of here by noon. First, today's passage from the Sermon on the Mount about anger, adultery, divorce, truth-bending, this passage leaves quite a trail of tears. If you're angry, just this week, I intentionally left my clergy collar at home when I went to call upon a local official with a complaint. I didn't want to embarrass my savior just in case I lost it. Fortunately, this city official was, when he came out, he totally disarmed me. He says, I, I, want, I want to get done what you need to get done. And he did. It was awesome. If you say, you fool, the Greek here is moron, which means moron. <laughs> Who hasn't put their insult machine on full blast? Whoever looks with lust, who hasn't entertained some sort of fantasy, whether physical or living together with somebody else in some sort of alternate reality in which every word you utter is applauded, every gesture appreciated, every interest encouraged, and every achievement celebrated. Whoever divorces... A lot of us are in hard situations, but here's the problem. Here in the West, Christians seem to be as able to find a back door as their non-Christian neighbors. You shall not swear falsely. Sadly, most of us have learned through experience to be cautious about giving our business to the person who puts the sign of the fish on the side of their truck or a cross on their business card. When Jesus talks about anger, adultery, divorce, and oath-breaking, his words cut deep into the heart of each of us. But second, like a skilled surgeon, Jesus only cuts so he can heal. This year, our gospel readings come from Matthew and Matthew especially wants us to know that this surgeon cuts only to heal. Here in the Sermon on the Mount at the very beginning, which we read a couple of weeks ago in the Beatitudes, Matthew's Jesus has already communicated that he wants to move us from being dominated by things that kill us. He wants to move us from pride to humility, from envy to mourning, from bitterness to meekness, from sloth to hungering and thirsting for all things to be made right, from greed and gluttony to generosity and championing of the persecuted, from polluted inner springs to pure hearts. Deadly sins are deadly sins because they kill. And Jesus came to kill those sins and enable us to live. And then just before today's passage, 
Matthew's Jesus has said that his aim is that we be a city of light so that our lives together reflect God's light into a dark world and that our saltiness brings savor and resistance to decay back into a world that since the Garden of Eden has been addicted to bad taste and can't seem to find a way to keep things from falling apart. And just before today's passage, we read it last week, Matthew's Jesus speaks of a deeper righteousness he wants us to have. Fact is, that righteousness begins as a gift. We've been told that gift's name is Jesus, which means Yahweh saves. Because, explains Matthew in the 21st verse of the very first chapter of his gospel, this Jesus came to save us from our sins. Look it up. And then there's the fact that Matthew is the sole gospel writer who says not just that Jesus' blood is being poured out, but that that it is being poured out, quote, for the forgiveness of sins. Matthew chapter 26, verse 8. Again, look it up. In Jesus, God himself has walked our trail of tears. In Matthew's Jesus, God has sent our sins, not us, into the hell that they demand. In Matthew's Jesus, God has met us at every point of failure and has said, let me unburden you of that. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Once more, look it up. So third, in a brief meditation, there's no way to deal with all the nuances, all the gray areas, all of our particular circumstances. Do you have to cut off body parts? No. That cut simply isn't deep enough. Do you owe the truth to Nazi soldiers who knock at your door and demand to know if you're hiding Jews? No. Does Jesus say that divorce is a possible option in the case of adultery? And does Paul later say that divorce is a possible option when a non-believer wants out of a marriage to a believer? Yes. Are you condemned if you agree to put a hand on a Bible and say, so help me God? No. And fourth, the you've heard's, the problem with them is that they all represent a downsizing of God's vision of life. And I would, I would like you to have from Jesus his larger vision of life. The you've heard's are the world's concessions to, well, that's just the way it is. You've heard that all God cares about is murder. But I say, says Jesus, God cares about what you do to people in your heart and with your tongue. God cares about the living Gehenna 
the living hell you descend into when you become the type of person who walks around saying, you idiot, you moron, you don't want to be that person, do you? You've heard all God cares about is that you don't actually go all the way with someone you're not married to. But I say, it grieves me, says Jesus, that you'd allow sex to be anything but the means of drawing closer to the person to whom you were married. And it grieves me when you look around you and there's a fog of lust that keeps you from seeing the actual wonder and beauty of the people around you. You've heard there's always a back door to marriage. I say, he says, no, there's not. Work it out. You've heard there are always ways to cross your fingers, even when you sound really, really sincere. Just don't actually bring the big guy into it, because then you might be in trouble. But I say, says Jesus, just tell the truth. It will always come out eventually anyway. And as Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 32, the truth will set you free, which takes us to to the fifth thing I'd like to say. I want to remind you of truth that does set free because there's good news about what God has done about anger, adultery, divorce, and truth bending. God himself, what did God do with his own anger over your rebellion and mine? All he did was send his own son to be cursed in our place, to be our sin bearer. Adultery. What did God do with our choosing other arms besides his? Clinging to other lovers, whether they're success or money, another person, ourselves, even if we continued to pretend to love and worship him. What did he do about that? All he did was send his son to seek us out to be his bride, with him as our bridegroom. Divorce. What about those of us who grew up with the faith and then tossed it, divorced God? Well, you're here. Did he just let you go? No, you're here, not because you're that clever, sorry, but because he ultimately wouldn't let you walk away because he came after you. That's what he does about your adultery and mine. That's who he is. Truth bending. What did God do with his own promises? Adam and Eve. He promised an offspring to strike the serpent's head. Abraham and Sarah, he promises a nation and a land. Moses, he promises rescue. Joshua, courage. Gomer's children, new names. Jeremiah, he promises a law written upon our hearts. To Joseph, he comes and promises, your your kid. His name will be God with us. And then to Mary, you will bear a royal son, even the Son of God. As Bill Bright and friends have been fond of saying for 
many years. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And God doesn't lie. Finally, sixth, where do we go from here? Deuteronomy chapter 30 that we just read. Deuteronomy says, choose life. Choose life that you and your descendants may live loving the Lord your God, loving the Lord your God, and obeying him and holding fast to him. And that that last phrase is variously translated. That you may cling to him. That you may cleave to him. Firmly embracing him. I don't know. I don't know where you are in your life, where you've been in your life. There may be apologies that you can tender. There may be restitution that you can make. There may be truth fudgings you can be that there may be truth fudgings that you can make right. Where there's been hurt on one side or the other. There may be an embrace and the peace of Christ that you can offer to one another. Then again, then again, there may be things you know that in this life you simply cannot make right hurt that won't go away. You can bring those to the altar and with open hands and a simple Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and on them. And you can receive the bread and wine of forgiveness in life. You can choose life and cling to him with all your might, knowing that he's clinging to you more tightly than you are clinging to him. In a world consumed with rage, you and I can be salt. In a world where marital boundaries are constantly being transgressed, where beautiful people are being reduced to disposable playthings, you and I can respect boundaries and value every person we meet, can't we? In a world where truth is more and more a matter of convenience, we can reflect a God who gives his word and keeps it. May this truth set you free today. You do not have to accept life on the terms of the world's easy accommodation to anger, lust, and broken promises. May this truth set you and me free today. We can flourish in the care of the one who says, I have taken all the anger into myself and buried it at the cross. I've married you to myself with an inexhaustible love. I have pledged myself to you now and forever. And I will not fudge on my promises. So, brothers and sisters, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen.